welcome to the Whip Comics Podcast. I'm Joe. Whip stands for Work in Progress, and here I talk to comic creators about the projects that they are currently working on, and hopefully get some insight into their creative process. With any luck, we will turn up some useful advice for anyone else who is interested in making comics. This week I spoke with Christopher Hazeldean. Chris is working on two very different comic projects at the moment, and we talked about balancing those projects, catering to different audiences, and earning character moments. Also, Star Wars. Oh, it's Joe. Hey, it's Chris. How you doing? Oh my God. Yeah, I'm, I'm using a ridiculous looking headset with like neon lights on it and everything. I'm sure you look stunning. Oh, thanks, man. You look I'm great too. Baseball cap. Obviously, I'm not wearing trousers. I mean, I mean, fortunately, I can I can only see the top half. That's uh, fully clothed. Oh, good. So you, you can't have a video feed. That's good. You can see me. Yeah. See you. You're just a picture no. of a golf girl. I am just unfortunately a picture of a golf girl. I did own a webcam, but several moves have consigned it to a drawer somewhere. That's okay. Um, I know I what you look like. I don't. I don't need to see. You've seen me. I mean, I mean, I want to be remembered by my work. So if all that's left of me at the end of all this is a picture of golf girl. <laughs> yeah. The, the good news is this is an audio-only podcast, so uh, there's going to be no. We're not going to record a video of just my face. No, that would uh, be no. looking confused with a disembodied um, voice or barking commands at you. Precisely. Yeah. So my first question is: What are you working on at the minute? Not going insane. No. Um. I am working on both the second issue of my comic, Golf Girl, which you mentioned earlier, which is a sort of lighthearted um, comedy set in a British seaside resort town. And I'm also working on my, my Albatross project, which is uh, uh, called Templars of the Shifting Verse, which is a sort of weird Neil Gaiman-esque fantasy pastiche, which I've been working on for years now. And it's it's, it's yeah it's slow going because I'm, I'm very careful with it kind of juggling the two is uh yeah is always fun but it's good because yeah you've got something for different moods and, yeah i um, mean they kind of couldn't be more different ends of the spectrum in terms of the tone of them right no i mean that's that's something i was because i didn't want yeah i mean i started i started writing uh templars when i was sort of in my mid-20s i'd um sort of been through some personal stuff i i was sort of really upending my entire life and um I kind of try to put some of the anxieties and sort of things, explore those ideas through the characters. And then now I'm, you know, living my comfortable London existence, obviously the current situation notwithstanding. Mm. Um, and I don't know, it's harder to tap into that. <laughs> you know, so I, I started, um, I started doing golf girl as a sort of, um, well, part of it was, just a, a bit of a joke that we had. Uh, I was at Fort Bubble 2015 and I'm there with, um, I had at the time two issues of Templars done and I, I had no idea how to do comic conventions at all. I had absolutely, like, I literally had books on my table, a few prints, some sketches and I was just sitting there and, you know, I, I, at the time I wasn't making table money but I was doing okay. Mm-hmm. Um, for the uninitiated, making table money means that you covered the cost of you going there, which is yeah. the first milestone of anyone. Yeah, that's, when you're starting out, that's just like, that's yeah. the first aim. <laughs> uh, you got to treat it like a holiday at first. <laughs> but I was sitting there, I can't, for life of me, I can't remember the dude's name. I should probably give him co-creation credit. But we were joking about, because um, there, was, there, was, there wasn't, us football was not really a superhero sort of place. It's indie and sort of serious comics a lot of a lot of biographical stuff which you know is really cool uh, but it's never been something i've been that good at but we were joking about like what would be the the naffest superpower to have and i said it'd be like a sports superpower like a football superhero or something or or a or a golf one and then we were like oh yeah imagine golf superpowers you'd just be good at hitting the ball and it got quite fun we did we, i was doing these little drawings of the character and I noticed that a lot of the people who were passing the table were really, they were, the, they were sort of looking straight past all the weird twisted fantasy stuff from the <laughs> Templars, all the creepy ghosts and all that sort of stuff from it. And they were looking at this stupid little kid with a golf hat on, like hitting balls at sort of villains that look like windmills. So the idea kind of gestated there, but I didn't do anything with it until a lot later. Um, it, was, it was just a joke. It was originally going to be like a, a free panel comic. I can't remember what the original question was. I went off on a bit of a tangent. Um, um, yeah, not can I actually, because you went off yeah. a bit of a tangent. I can't remember. Yeah. It was it was about uh, the fact that it wasn't even a question. It was the fact that like you basically got two very, very different styles in yes. terms of the way that you've got this one extremely lighthearted thing and one that's considerably more serious. Yeah. 
So there was a bit of me that said, okay, clearly there's an audience for things that are more fun. And, you know, the sort of, you, you kind of realize, I mean, this is my advice to anyone who sort of started to do comics and stuff is, is I mean, it's, it's something my, people told me and I just didn't listen because I was very stubborn, but it's not a great idea to start with your magnum opus first. Oh, yeah. like, everyone's got that big, epic 500 page sort of graphic novel in their heads. Um, and that's kind of what I was trying to do with Templars. And yeah, this, that's yeah, the first piece of advice yeah. I give to anyone I talk to is yeah. just like thinking about making comics is to like, just to start small and start with something easy and achievable, I think is the, the main thing, just something that you can actually get to the end of and say, Hey, I finished the whole thing. Yeah. I think it's a planning as well. It's, it's, you know, you've got that huge, you know, 500 page graphic novel. If you want to jump on that and start it, that's fine. You know, I will finish Templars eventually. I'm doing the last chapter now, but the time I spent doing it, I realized I could have I could have spent that learning in a more direct way rather than the sort of hard way, I think. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, it's sort of a learning experience, though. Making yeah. comics in general is just, like, everything you draw makes you slightly better at drawing. Everything you write makes you a little bit better at writing, so it's... Yeah, and you go back, yeah, you go back to your old stuff, and I'm sure, you know, in five years' time, I'll go back to the stuff I'm doing now, and I'll, I'll see ways I could have improved it. But I did the, a drawing earlier on, and I looked at that now, and I was like, oh, man, this is awful. Yeah, all the ways I could improve it. Problem is, all the drawing I do now is just like really late at night, just sitting hunched over my tablet at like yeah, eleven same. o'clock, and just, just must, must must stave off the uh, must stave off the mania. Um, yeah, lockdown's going really well for me. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> so there was that. I, I and I kind of thought as well at the time. I was thinking like I'm not always in the mood to do the super serious. Uh, stuff. This is sort of when I started doing when I started writing Golf Girl. It was about 2017, and I, I was I was fairly you know I was fairly chipper actually, um, and I wasn't really in the mood to sit down and write kind of like positing questions and all that sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say highbrow, but you know, sincere stuff, a lot of sincerity. And I, I just wanted to write a lot of jokes. I mean, the thing was I didn't know anything about golf. I didn't feel it was necessary to. But so, so it was nice to have two projects that were completely different in style yeah and it, it, even in the way they're drawn as well like yeah. yeah something that i've definitely like noticed and i think you maybe more so than other people like do really completely alter your artistic style for both of the different comics in just in terms of the ways that character designs and just the general line work and expressions and everything about it seems very different was that like a conscious decision that you made in terms of doing those things or was it something that's kind of developed naturally as you were like doing sketches and drawing the character in the first place. Yeah, I mean, definitely. If I've, I've got the like, if the first drawings I did of Golf Girl are like the stick figures, basically. You know, they're, they're, they're noodle arms and they're very sort of like you. Know, I think the term they use is a iconographic, right? So mm-hmm. it's not really trying to pr- present something as a physical object. It's yeah. And the Templar stuff, obviously, that's where I get out my you know drawing books and I count the fingers and all that sort of stuff. But um, I mean, yeah, I'm not. I'm not like a. Sort of professional artist but it's it's good to it is good to have the two different styles of drawing as well because the uh you know it's, one of them is a lot harder to do than the others yeah. and uh that's not that's not saying like if people who do simplistic cartoony are, are less are less able than people who do sort of realistic stuff that's of course, yeah. you know, not a thing at all it's it's yeah you know, it's a skill to do anything um not that I'm saying I'm skilled. Can we edit out all this? Um, all no, this just the name, sorry. <laughs> it got me to write, so I'm a pompous ass. Um, this is all good. It's all, no, I think it's, it's an entirely good point. Like, yeah, but making comics is just hard in general. Like, none of it's yeah. easy. There's no easy style. It's just different styles. No, There's no right or wrong style, but I think they all require very different... They all require like, the same basic skill set, but very different approaches. Mm. And just the, the way that you go about making those comics, it still requires the same amount of effort to draw anything. But just yeah, the, I mean, the amount of detail you want to put into things, obviously, it would take a bit longer. So. I mean, even outside of drawing, as well, I mean, writing, like people, there's a, there was an argument on Twitter spurred on by the. An argument on uh, Twitter? I know. I believe it. No, it's, it's such a convivial place. No, the, um, the idea that writers. Art don't work as hard as artists or they're not as talented as artists but it's yeah the hardest it's just as hard to overcome a, a writing problem as it is to overcome an art problem it's, a, it's just general art takes a lot longer you know you can, yeah. in, the, in time it takes you to write a page you know it might take someone three times longer to draw it absolutely I, I definitely find the, the writing process the hardest part for me and it might be because I know I've got more experience with, with drawing than I do with, with writing in general but definitely yeah it definitely it just yeah like i think you're absolutely right of the drawing kind of seems like the most time consuming part because you you actually have to sit and draw it 
as opposed to typing out a single line of dialogue doesn't take all that long but the amount of time i spend like lying in bed thinking about what this yeah. character should sound like and the exact tone of voice and the right turn of phrase and everything to get it exactly right i think is almost like a lengthier process once once you've got like an idea of what a character looks like then drawing them in different poses can be like difficult for to kind of get consistency and things like that but ultimately then you've got like a good basis for what how that's going to develop over time <laughs> consistent in, in the writing i think is really hard there's a technical element to drawing, yeah. um, which I think is less present. I mean, obviously writing has its own technical elements, but there's a technical element to drawing. Like I, could, I could almost switch off and draw a house. If I knew, if I'd drawn it before and I knew what it looked like, I could almost switch off and just draw it. I can listen to music when I draw. I can have TV on when I draw, but I can't do any of that when I write because I have to concentrate completely. Absolutely, yeah. Um, exactly the same. Even, even with like, yeah, I mean, coming back to the whole thing, Golf Girl versus Templars is... Well, it's, it's partly much similar, much sort of like more simple to write Golf Girl because I've built it from the ground up not to be a complicated, convoluted mess, which, uh, which is what Templar sort of turned into. But um, it's also because you know it it, it is fun. It's it's a it's it's an in, it's enjoyable to write, and jokes are hard to write. But yeah, that's what I ask about. Like jokes are really hard because it's such a hard thing to get right. Because obviously everyone's got a different sense of humour, so making something mm-hmm. that you think will appeal to like the broadest audience potentially, I think, is really difficult to kind of just get that that tone really. I mean, my my guiding principle for humour, I think, is like if I find it funny and I know it's not offensive to anyone, then yeah, you don't want to be that you don't want to be that person who's like putting in loads of silly, you know, outrageous jokes. You don't because yeah. yeah, we've already had South Park and Family Guy. You know, we don't need people copying that. Um, and they had a point to it. Yeah, <laughs> I just do it. I just put it in. Um, I think there's, like I said, there's a guiding sort of principle to humour. Is I think if you try too hard to kind of adapt your sense of humour to what you think people might like, I think you might. Lo- I don't know. I'm always worried I might lose my my sort of voice. But I mean, I'm a weird person, and I'm, I know weird things, and I'm into sort of weird esoteric sort of like you know references and jokes and stuff like that, and. And as long as you balance that sort of stuff out with plain sort of witticisms and, and things. But I mean, it's all very hard to do. <laughs> yeah. And I think with, a, with like something like, if you were doing like a, I don't know, like an action comic uh, that had an element of humour to it, like a, a bit quippy, you know, the sort of you know, Indiana Jones sort of yeah. Avengers movie type style where you've got the plot itself is very sincere and straightforward, but there is an element of the characters having fun and kind of being having a bit of a banter uh, as they go along that's very easy to sort of retroactively sort of put in once you've got the bolts of the story in but yeah about planning the story and stuff but when you when you come to doing a story that is itself part of the humor and the the jokes that i'm the jokes that i'm trying to tell are sort of set up and kind of recurring gags and things like that and it's really really hard to write that stuff and it takes it takes a lot longer i mean my favorite, uh, one of my favorite TV shows, uh, comedy shows, is uh, Arrested Development. Yeah, and it, um, it has it has a lot of you know, Some of the humor is a little a little dated now, but um, but it has a lot of really really funny recurring motifs and recurring sort of references, and I always really really appreciate that. And another kind of thing it had, which I think is 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 really hard to get in comedy, and I really I don't know if I've struck the balance yet because I haven't written enough of Golf Girl to really have a size of it. But is you actually care about the characters in, in a weird way, even though it arrested them again, all the characters are absolutely ridiculous. Even the main character, Michael, who's kind of like the, the normal person, is ridiculous. All the characters are kind of narcissistic and self-obsessed, but, but you still find a way to care about them and you still have those little moments of kind of tenderness and sincerity. And I think when writing humour... And this is, again, one of the reasons why I decided to do a comedy comic as well as my serious comic is because a lot of comedy is, I mean, it's, it's still funny, but a lot of comedy uh, can be just very direct, just joke, 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 and completely sort of, uh, sort of completely great. But I kind of miss the, the kind of pathos. Is it pathos or pathos? The first one. But yeah, I like pathos and I like... I like characters you can kind of connect with i mean another a really good example and everyone, everyone who sort of knows me knows when i was watching this show i harped on about it non-stop uh a couple of years ago uh, gravity falls which is a oh, yeah. disney cartoon um which my uh 
my flatmate saw me watching once recently and he said it was horrible because it had all the Illuminati symbols in it, the Bill Cipher and all that. But um, but that has another thing. I mean, obviously that's much more wacky and kind of a bit more madcap, but the the moments where the story beats hit and the character beats hit, you actually do care about those characters. And I think, I mean, that's something that Disney does quite well, I think. Is that, is that a concern that you have in your, your other more serious book then, that, that people wouldn't care about the characters so much because they're not funny? No, I mean, I, I, care, I, care, I, I worry that people might not like them because I've underwritten something or I've not done it very well. There was an element of winging it with Templars. It was the first comic I ever wrote. I had a rough idea of what I wanted the story to be, but as you write the story and as you write the characters, they sort of do different things. But because the characters are, I mean, I can talk about, I haven't finished it yet, but I can talk about like how I would do it differently now. I, I, there's a lot of characters in Templars and if you're writing something with a lot of characters it, and it's the first thing you're writing and you haven't yet sort of fully come to grips with the idea of, you know, a hero's journey, a story arc or all that sort of thing. It's, it's really, really, it's, it's a real difficulty trying to make those characters count and feel authentic and feel like real things rather than just ciphers for plot. You know, this character doesn't just exist to open the door for someone else. They exist to have their own narrative and have their own place in the narrative, even if they're just like a small part. And that's something I, I think I I struggled with early on. And it's 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 less obvious in the early stuff, uh, in the early sort of issue of Templars, I think, because you're kind of starting out and you're kind of looking at it and going, oh, okay, where are these characters going to go? And it's only now when I sort of come to writing the final bit and I'm kind of... I'm kind of very wary about trying to do scenes with characters that I haven't yet earned. And I think there's a, there's almost like a currency of storytelling. Like if you want to do something cool and if you want to do something, if you want to have a badass moment, if you want to have a funny moment, if you want to have a, you know, a, a, an emotional moment or a romantic moment, you have to earn it with, with your, your preparation and your, your plotting and your, your kind of ideas. And yeah, I think that's. Yeah, I'm not trying to slag off any any sort of sort of any sort of shows or any t- films or whatever. But if you look at the last Star Wars film, Rise of Skywalker, or something, yeah. it was called something like that. Anyway, it didn't it didn't earn its sort of finale. It didn't earn its dramatic moments, and it didn't earn the the character. And I mean, this is like yeah, this is a a multi billion dollar film franchise, and I'm sitting here just some schmuck in London ch- chatting shit about it, but. <laughs> It's okay because it was. It's fine. Bad. Yeah, it was, it's, it's all right fine. to punch upwards. If I was yeah, ragging I'm on, I'm a big like, Star Wars guy. I love Star Wars. I still think I just about like more of the Star Wars films than I dislike. At this yeah, point. all the prequels. Forget about those. <sighs> yeah, the Rise of Skywalker was not a good movie. I think you, I think right. you're entirely right. Of yeah, all the things that happened in that film felt like they were happening because they had to finish the story rather than because any of the characters had actually earned any of those moments. It felt like a. It felt like a sequel to a film. That hadn't that didn't exist. Yeah, all the plot threads it in that film that existed. Yeah. That we just kind of completely ignored. But <laughs> well, but that's no. I mean, it's it's technically a sequel to the Last Jedi, but it doesn't. I mean, yeah, regardless of what people feel about that film, but the, the, it didn't. Which I I like the Last Jedi a lot. Yeah. This, this is going to be the most the, the controversial yeah, moment of this episode of the podcast. Yeah, how dare you? Yeah. No, I mean, it's, well, um, let's not turn it into the Star Wars podcast, but my point was that... <laughs> we'll that, start a different Star Wars podcast. Okay, so yeah, we'll do it just, just, just chatting about Star Wars. Yeah, um, but the, the, yeah, there's a lot of elements in that story that I was I got really frustrated with because it, it, exposition explained away a lot of things. And it's one thing, one thing I think is really important with plotting and one thing I really wanted to do with... <laughs> sounds stupid to say the same sort of talk about all the serious writing technique stuff and then mention the words golf girl but is is have a a a kind of a rigid direction that was flexible enough to allow a bit of improvisation because nobody wants to you know if you if you become too rigid then you can become predictable and your storytelling is kind of probably fine but maybe a bit tepid you know yeah but so the big beats are all the big beats are massive Uh, the big beats are all sort of planned out ahead of time as they should be. And then you kind of leave a bit of soft tissue in between them to kind of connect. And then yeah, you can, you can dig away at it when you're writing the script and you can yeah. find moments and strip out. I mean, I, I've, I've worked in um, you know, publishing for about five and a half years now. And a lot of what I do is uh, kind of helping people do sub editing and checking their, checking their writing and stuff. And 
despite my rambling long form rants, um, the, the one key the one key lesson I learned from some of the editors I worked with is if you can cut something out, always always make it more efficient, make it more make it more economical. And structure is the key to everything. If you you can write beautiful sort of florid sentences, and uh, but if they're not connected to anything, then they they just exist in a sort of a vacuum. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I felt about the last Star Wars film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just a series of series of pretty scenes uh, with yeah. nothing connecting them. Do you think that's like a learning that you had from working on Templars that you've now managed to apply to Golf Girl, or was it something that you kind of had in mind when you're working on Templars as well? I hope so. I mean, yeah, I think I think everyone who would call themselves a everyone who would be sort of arrogant enough to call themselves a writer, as we do, has some sense of story. I think everyone has a sense of story. It's why when you're watching uh, a film or a TV show that doesn't make sense or where characters do something stupid, like I haven't seen it, but everyone kicked off about, spoiler alert, but everyone kicked off about the ending of uh, Game of Thrones because you've got a key character who did something which people didn't feel was well enough to explain. So everyone recognises that a story has to follow a certain logic. And I think everyone kind of just through watching films and watching TV shows and reading comics and, and reading books... They're basic comics about pictures, but we'll get oh, back to those. Yeah, um, heard of those. yeah I've, I've heard tell of them in strange lands. But um, everyone, everyone, I think, internalizes, and obviously you do. Yeah, you learn at school as well. But everyone internalizes those kind of ideas of story, and I think that's why stories are so special. Because yeah, they're kind of they're kind of ubiquitous across humanity, and that's kind of cool. Like everyone has the same. I mean, different different cultures have different styles of storytelling, but everyone has that same key desire for a, a satisfying story so i mean even if you just think okay it's cool if you know i don't know this character the simple the, the the rpg trope you know a character's hometown is attacked by bandits the character goes out and avenges the bandits yeah it's a simple revenge story mm-hmm. and yeah you have you have these sort of simple story templates which kind of resonate with people because they found basic emotions and i think as long as you explain you know, as long as you're comfortable experiencing those emotions, you you can tell those stories. Obviously, you got to be you got to be careful. You're not just being exploitative, but you know. Um, so that was yeah, that was kind of another reason why I decided to start doing a completely different comic was because I didn't I didn't want to do. I wanted to take what I what I felt like I'd learned in doing Templars, and hopefully I'll be able to apply those things to the finale of Templars. But we'll see. Um, and I also I just wanted to to apply them to something brand new, but I didn't want to do something that was totally similar to what I'd done before. Well, I mean, one yeah, one one person I wanted to yeah, I can only really do at most two things at once. You know, I've only got so many hours in the day. Mm. You know, I'm, 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 even during this lockdown, I'm, I'm I'm fortunate enough to still be working. So uh, yeah, my, my free time isn't that available. <laughs> it's, it's still about the same as it was before, to be honest. Yes, but I wanted to so I wanted to do I wanted to use the opportunity to try and do something completely off the cuff and a bit different and and sort of try and have a bit of variety because it, part of it comes down to doing you know comic conventions and stuff you know you don't want to be the person who just has one type of thing on their on their table and especially because i was doing a lot of kind of cartoony drawing and and things like that because it's fun you know it's fun to do that sort of stuff and kids kids were coming up to my table and they were looking at the drawings and stuff i was doing and then they were they were going to pick up Templars, and I was just like, "You probably won't enjoy this." To be honest, it's, it's a lot of people talking about stuff, and there's some pretty horrible. Not it's not ultraviolet. Yeah, there's some there's some stuff in there I wouldn't want a ten year old seeing. Yeah, I might think it's awesome. Um, they, they probably would think it was awesome. Yeah. They still shouldn't be allowed to see it. Really, it's gonna. Yeah, no, I don't want to be. Their minds are still developing. You don't want to walk them too. Yeah, much. you don't. You don't want to be that person at a comedy convention who's sort of sitting there. It's minding your own business, and then a parent just comes in and throws the book back in your <laughs> face. Goes, "Why is this? Why have you given this to my daughter?" Yeah, so I wanted to have something. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to sound cynical or commercial, like, but there was an element of that. I wanted to have something on something I could show people that was I, I didn't have to worry about that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, my guiding principles in writing, you know, Golf Girl are no hard swearing. People say like damn and oh my god and stuff like that, but no, no hard swearing, no violence, no sort of there's a innuendo is okay if you're if it's like cheeky playground innuendo. Yeah. That sort of thing. So and, and that that itself was a challenge and I think I had a lot of fun with that because it's very easy to let rip. 
uh, and yeah, go full Rick and Morty and just and obviously not <laughs> not that technical, but it's very easy to sort of do that sort of um, to let yourself go and, and and sort of go down any route that you fancy. Yeah. But it's quite fun to give yourself kind of a challenge and and set yourself kind of limits to what you're doing. And I think people look at children's books and stuff and assume that they're very easy to do and that like children's writers are just sitting around, you know, former TV celebrities just cranking out children's books. But they're actually, in in trying to tackle one, you are constantly walking a tightrope between like what your audience will understand and appreciate and enjoy and what you will enjoy doing. I really like uh, Terry Pratchett uh, and Neil Gaiman and those sort of writers. And I really like the children's sort of books that they do because they have those unique elements uh, and they challenge, they're quite challenging for kids, I think. Yeah, I'm just going to put myself in the same book. So why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Aim high, aim high, why not? You can't unsay it. Um, yeah, no. Massive I think, ego. I think, I think you're right, like trying to write for kids. Because I've, I've done a bit of like stuff. Yeah, in, yeah, I've seen your stuff. It's, yeah, stuff exactly. And it's, it's, it's like one of the things I, I realized pretty quickly is that every single kid's comic or kid's book or kid's TV or whatever was written by an adult, like yeah. trying to appeal to an audience. Like you never really get that full insight. And I, I, I've shown it to my, my niece and nephew and stuff. And I've talked to ideas with them before to try and get a little bit of a hint of like, or just try and think what, what do they find funny? But mm-hmm. they never, they just can't quite articulate their ideas in the same way that talking to an adult can. So when they kind of come up with ideas, then it's so off the cuff. And so whatever they're thinking of at that exact moment, that mm-hmm. it wouldn't actually make any sense to write into a script or anything. So I think, yeah, trying to, trying to cater to an audience who kind of doesn't necessarily have a logical train of thought when approaching stories. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm trying to make something that's like still really, really fun, but still makes sense. And if, if a parent or an adult was to read it as well, if they're reading it to their kid, then they don't absolutely despise it. I think it's another thing that I try to do whenever I'm working on that kind of stuff. Hmm. You don't want to make it that it's for kids and adults. It's definitely aimed at children in the work that I've done at least. But I definitely don't want it to be something that if an adult had to sit there and watch it with their child, that they would just be wanting to bash their head against the wall the entire time. Well, I mean, I mean you know, in doing the research, believe it or not, I did some research. Um, unfortunately, I, I don't have, there's no, like, there's no children. I'm the youngest person in my family. My cousin, my cousin's got kids, but they're, they're all like 17 now. I'm, yeah. So I, I didn't have a test audience other than like the people I knew who had kids. And I was like, would you, would you be happy for your kids to read this? And most of them were like, yeah, this is great, but fine. Uh, but I, I was, um, I think that there are levels. I mean, I'm saying kids books and that can mean anything from ages you know, four to five to ages like sort of 12 to 13. But in that, as an adult, that's quite a small sort of period. If you said, oh, I'm reading my book at 22 to 29 year olds. I'm like, okay, great. That's the same people. But you know, the difference between a five-year-old and a 12-year-old is, is completely different yeah, as well as in, what, in what they want from their sort of... Um, and I think I'm, I'm, I'm quite sort of fortunate to have quite good memories of, of like things I enjoyed myself as a kid and kind of a, a critical kind of look, critically sort of looking back on that sort of stuff. And being able to sort of pull it apart and figure out why I liked it as a kid, uh, I guess. And the one thing I always liked about sort of stuff when I was like sort of 11 and sort of really getting into like comics and stuff, um, I always liked the stuff that I felt was a little bit more complex than maybe the, the stuff I was ready for, you know? Yeah. So, and you always, yeah, I always like reading about, you, you, you like reading about older older sort of kids because you imagine you could you could become that sort of yeah that could be your life so part again partly it's also because i can remember i can remember being the age of the characters in golf girl are all sort of 16 17 that's kind of like an interesting age to be doing um because obviously no no 16 or 17 year old had a fun sort of wacky teenage years it was incredibly awkward difficult and stressful oh, yeah. um but for a kid who's younger than that to look at that and, and yeah, they're not interested in hearing like, like skins type stories about sort of, you know, I mean, there might be, I don't know what kids are into now. I hear Billie Eilish is quite popular. Uh, <laughs> probably should have researched it. Well, fuck it. It's fine. They can have my nostalgia instead. Yeah, um, that was yeah, that was, am I still out of touch? <laughs> no, it's the children who are wrong, but yeah, I, I think, I think, yeah. And it comes back to the thing I said about the, I don't know if I said it or not, but about sort of pathos and sincerity and, and things and, and trying to mix that with comedy and where that comedy comes from. And yeah, you could do, 
you know, you could do a really good sort of, um, I, I look at like um, Dairy Girls, for example. Have you seen Dairy Girls? I have not. Excellent. It's an excellent show. So it's, um, to summarise, uh, it's set in Londonderry or Derry, depending on your persuasion, uh, during the Troubles in the 90s. And it just follows these teenagers kind of trying to sort of sort out their lives. And it's, you know, it's got loads of crude humour. It's a bit, I don't want to do it a disservice by sort of just, equating it to something else because it has a lot more of an important sort of context than that I think but it's a bit like it's a bit like the in-betweeners in the sort of level of the kind of level of humour maybe a little less sort of uh, raunchy because it's mm-hmm. it's um, free girls and, and the sort of quiet timid English guy rather than free mad for it lads but it has it has you know it has a really sort of good sense of humour and a, a really sort of nice kind of feeling to it and it has a lot of emotional punches that really really land because the characters are kind of uh, human and whilst I wouldn't sort of try and do anything that ambitious or that complicated you know essentially my comic is about a teenage girl who gets golf superpowers you know it's not trying to make a make a comment about <laughs> the sort of the it's troubles and the, yeah it's um I still I still wanted to have that that feeling I mean I remember remember when I was uh when I was a teenager you know apart from all the you know the frustration the anxiety that sort of awkwardness and not, fit, not feeling like you don't fit in there was there was a genuine sense that kind of love like it was it that was it my life was I lived in a fairly small town uh, in the Midlands and I worked in a, a supermarket pushing trolleys and I just thought to myself is this going to be it like for the rest of my life am I just going to be doing this and you know okay I've got school I've got all these other things and you know my life probably will change but there are just moments where you find yourself thinking, you know, what's realistically going to happen to me? What, what's realistically on the cards here? Um, and I kind of wanted to challenge to that kind of a little bit and try and get that sense across. And that kind of a little bit of a little bit of boredom with with your lot, but be, but in kind of revisiting those memories and stuff, I I found um, almost like a nostalgia for it. I think and. I was quite I was quite ready to sort of go in and be cynical and like do a do a story that was basically calling all small sort of town shitholes and stuff. But there there is you know there is something about them uh, that I really kind of maybe just because I'm a soft bastard, but I, yeah that that kind of the sense of community and the sort of that kind of encapsulation of everything. Everything's in a very small area. You know, there's one of this shop, there's one of that shop. Yeah, there's three schools and they all hate each other. I don't know, there's, there's a kind of directness to that, which I was quite sort of liked. And I think I wanted to kind of get that feeling as well. And I wanted the place it was set in to almost be a character as well. And again, I haven't done enough of the comic yet to really capitalise on that, but that's what I like. I mean, this, um, The Simpsons, you know, early Simpsons, obviously, but Springfield itself is a character and the people of the town and everything it all feels like a kind of like an encapsulated place and there's something maybe it's nostalgia but there's there's something quite comfortable about that I think I think it's interesting talking about it's like the mindset that you have for this it sounds like it's almost a more personal project but yet Templars which is almost your like you you call it your magnum opus earlier (laughs) Uh, just the mindset that you have going into working on Golf Girl which is so much more more quaint and like the scale is so much smaller in terms of mm. like the narrative to it yeah it difficult kind of switching between the mindset of that where it feels quite almost a comfortable sort of thing versus Templars which is maybe obviously more ambitious in terms of like the general scope of it well I don't know if this, this is some sort of problem I've got but like in, in the world the world of those sort of the two stories themselves and the two sort of like settings and the characters and things they kind of <laughs> This sounds like massively pretentious, but they, they kind of exist in in you know, when you, when you create a story uh, the, the, and you create those characters and stuff, and everyone everyone listening to this podcast will know this because everyone does it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know, you, you they kind of take up residency in your head a bit, and they run around and they do stuff, and you think of ideas and you think of like new kind of fun things, and and a lot of that's dependent on the mood that you're in, yeah, at the time. So you know, the the start of the start of Templars I'm writing now is the start of it's quite it's a bit much maybe <laughs> maybe a bit it's, it's a character sort of at their very lowest point, mm-hmm. and um, you know and that that's you know from experience of of hitting kind of low points everyone goes through low points and you know and when when I was going through those sort of kind of like 
upsetting times and stuff. I found the characters when I whenever I thought about creating stuff to try and uh, you know, to try and sort of like get my mind off things, the yeah. characters themselves would present themselves as kind of ciphers for my you know what I was feeling. So I'd be like, ah, oh, this is going to be Augustus feeling sad or or something. Yeah. And so, um, so you mean like when when like a bad situation is happening to you, then that tends to manifest itself in the work that you're doing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. There's there's obviously there's obviously a long time between the emotion and the actual yeah, execution of the of the project, you know. Mm. I'm not the sort of person who can, with tears streaming down his face, dramatically go to his yeah, writing know. desk and go, must get this in, you know. But you you internalise, yeah, everything that happens to you, you internalise it. Yeah, even stuff that happened to you a long time ago, you, you can internalise that and you can draw upon those things. Do you think, for example, if you're in the middle of, say, a global pandemic, then that would have an effect on like your comics in a few months' time? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly giving me a, it's certainly having an effect on my ability to bloody do them because I can't. Mm. <laughs> you know, I don't know if anyone else experienced this, but it's 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 kind of hard to break out of the the little of just getting up and doing the bare minimum. But that's uh, no, fine. Um, I find like quite a lot of time to make comics lately. I think like I was very fortunate that basically I'd when like the whole like quarantine lockdown thing started, I'd actually already just started working on my next comic and I'd done all the planning stages. I actually had like a week and a half off work where I'd literally put time aside just to start working on it. And that was exactly when like the, the quarantine started. Oh, so I basically, I already had a week put aside where I was going to be working on the comic anyway. And then I just kind of got into the habit of doing it every day. Yeah. I'm working at the minute. Um, Very jealous. <laughs> Well, like it's just, it's just like kind of very lucky timing in my part. It's still, it's not easy every single day. The thing I'm finding yeah. very difficult is I'm working, working from home, obviously, and mm. sitting at my desk, and it's the same desk that I draw at. Yeah. So I, I was about to say the exact same thing. It's literally, yeah. I, just, like, I can't sit at the same desk all day long. Uh, I just need to like get a break and go mm. look at a different screen. Yeah, screen. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's quite fortunate. I was, um, I got hold of my. This is, I'm turning into the consumer advice channel, but. Um, I got hold of that um, a tablet that I can draw on that's not linked to my computer. So I've got my my Wacom, my 13-inch uh, Wacom thingy, the Cintiq or something, what's it called? I don't know, I've had it for years. Uh, but it's on my desk. It's on my desk. And I'm sitting at this desk eight hours a day. Yeah. And, you know, six o'clock, half five rolls around. And I'm just like, oh, am I really just going to... And, and it's not even just the same desk. It's the same programs. I'm using, oh, yeah. you know... I'm using Photoshop and I'm using like sort of Illustrator and all those sort of things and at work. And then am I really just going to alt tab <laughs> to just a different screen? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very difficult to kind of switch yeah. into the mindset. I think, yes, yeah, it's a difficult yeah. time obviously for, for anyone to come mm. up with ideas or to generate new things. Yeah. I mean, let's just come back to what I said, like, you know, you kind of need life to happen to you too. There's the, <laughs> there's the old thing about like, I'm not trying to sort of put myself in that sort of particular drawing room with a, a single malt in my hand, sort of raising a glass to Hemingway, but yeah, the writers, um, that was quite poetic. Uh, maybe I should be in that room. Uh, writers, writers, yeah, they, they kind of internalize things and then they put them back out as whatever, as, as, as something. I mean, not just writers, musicians, any, any creative person puts, puts elements of their life in, into their work, yeah, I think. And obviously for the last six months, the only thing that's been happening in life is this the constant 24 seven and, and in a weird way it's been that's one of the reasons why i found it quite hard to to work on golf girl for example because it's 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 quite whimsical and, and and it's quite sort of you know positive and and it doesn't almost doesn't feel appropriate to try and sort of put sort of those anxieties and things yeah. you know to the back of my head to try and sort of you know come up with stupid jokes about fortunately I arrived and, and, and holes holes in one and and, and and these really bad puns and things but sometimes it's, it depends on the day sometimes it's it's been you know a great way to sort of get my mind off things you know yeah especially on weekends because the weekends you know I mean it really when I was working in an office all I did was I went to work I got back on the train I came home and I would just chill out at home anyway so the weekdays aren't super different but the weekends I think are because you know I'd go to meetups or I, I'd I'd even just go sit in a park somewhere and um, I could technically do that as long as the police don't see me um that doesn't look like exercise to me but, <laughs> and I, yeah I don't know it's just it is hard and I don't I don't think anyone would judge yeah I don't think anyone should be judged or or, or would judge anyone yeah, absolutely. For, for like I said, just for doing the as as little as as little as you need to do, you know, yeah, you can't you can't force it. I think like when when you try to force yourself to be productive or be creative or like say I'm going to sit down and I'm going to make something right now, then I think mm. that it's always harder doing it that way. Yeah, it's it's you kind of have to take and use what you can, yeah. uh, and that's that's 
whether it's time, whether it's uh, you know energy, whether it's and and don't and no, yeah, I, I found that this the sitting down. I mean, I've been watching Star Trek, which is great, um, but it's it's just you know it's, it's just it's anything that you do is just an act of self care, and this is kind of becoming the quarantine advice pod, podcast now. But uh, <laughs> I think even I think even lockdown, I think yeah, we're going to see a lot of interesting art and a lot of interesting output about lockdown coming out of this. Mm, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of it probably from celebrities and things like that will be horribly sort of trite and, <laughs> and rubbish. But I'll be interested to see what normal people do with it, what normal people sort of come up with. Again, I'm kind of fortunate that the comic I'm working on at the minute is mostly about people being alone and sitting around in their houses not doing much. But that was, again, a complete coincidence. That was just... It's a story I wrote like a couple of years ago, even like when I first had the initial idea for it, and I've just been kind of working up to doing it. So it's all kind of fallen into place really nicely for me. Mm. Um, but obviously, I really like to be able to leave my house and go and see my girlfriend and various things I've not been able to do for two months. But yeah, if from, on a drawing front, I'm, I'm actually like getting through quite a lot. See, yeah, I'm, I was at the start, <laughs> but uh, I think I think I, I kind of hit a lull the past couple of weeks. I think, but I'm, I'm slowly getting back onto it. Um, I mean, production-wise, I mean, I was, you know, MCM London was meant to happen at the end of this month. Yeah. And I'd, I'd written myself a loose production schedule um, for, for the second issue of Golf Girl, intending to have it finished by the end of the month, ready for Comic-Con. I mean, currently I'm on, I'm drawn page five, so I'm, what, a quarter of the way through it. But it's not great. <laughs> it's not, it's a sort of, you know, I think even if, even if I had stuck to that schedule, I'd be, uh, I'd be struggling to do it. I think it was a bit unrealistic. And I think that's, coming back to comic advice yeah i think being realistic with what you are like people i think when i started doing templars i made the i made all these decisions to have it united states comic size and have it full color and have it you know drawn in a certain way that looked like like an inked kind of 1960s sort of comic mm -hmm. and doing all these like kind of setting myself all these challenges which were great it's it's really you know, it was really good to sort of challenge myself to try all these different things but in hindsight it didn't help the production of the thing and actually there's an element of creativity which is mythic and exciting and bracing and all those sort of things and you know and impossible to quantify and then there's an element of creativity that is just sitting down at your desk and just doing <laughs> just doing the thing yeah and i think you have to kind of reconcile those two things and bring a bring a dose of reality and it you know, even comes down to the lockdown thing you know the reality is there's this massive thing happening in the world right now and you're not to be blamed if if it affects your work you know if you look at artists on twitter and stuff they're still posting all their pictures and stuff but yeah that is their job for a lot of them yeah you know and on the one hand yeah it's kind of it's kind of something you have to be mindful of but it's not your responsibility to worry about the outcome you know is that is that sound callous i don't know but like if you as a person just want to sit around and watch Netflix or draw your silly comics about, you know, teenagers in, in a seaside town or something playing golf, but that's fine. Yeah. That's what you can do. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even that, even, even just like just sitting around watching Netflix is, is itself a good thing to do. Like, like, yeah. Don't ever try to compare yourself to what someone yeah. else is doing. Like just do the things yeah. that work for you. It's a, yeah. I think it's and, good in life. Yeah. Whether we're in lockdown or not, like I think it's this thing that as comic artists as well, we tend to look at other people's work online a lot and compare ourselves to them. Yeah. It's like other people who, you know, are artists for a full time job, whereas most people who make comics, definitely everyone who I know who makes comics doesn't do it for like for their, their full it's, career. It's a hobby. It's it's a it's a craft hobby, you know. Yeah. Everyone's just got their different approach to it. No one's doing it a better yeah. way than you are. It's just different. There's also I think like this are doing doing comic conventions, which you know even now like, I mean I, I don't I don't ever I don't make enough comic conventions to live off obviously mm. I'm still working <laughs> uh, but I, I, I make I, I start I'm at the point now where I can I can go to a comic convention and come back, back with more money than it costs me to go which yeah. is nice <laughs> but then you, you always end up sitting next to yeah ending up tabling next to someone who's always smashing it <laughs> you're just like Wait wow how did you get there you and me were tabling next to each other last year at Thorpe well, yeah Actually, you, I, you, I was talking about the guy on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> he was smashing it. Yeah, he was no, um, I can't remember the dude's name, but there's a guy, fair play to him, and he absolutely takes it seriously. And he absolutely, every time he goes to Comic-Con, he says like, oh, I make at least 
£2,000 or something. That's a good Comic Con for me. And he does, you know, a couple of Comic Cons a year and he's made his salary for a year. Is, is He makes his living off comics. And that's, you know, that's something when I first sort of met this guy and, I, and he told me that and I thought, oh, fuck, I, you know, I've made like 30 quid <laughs> profit today. Great. But then I thought, well, this is his life. You know, this is his, like you were saying, it's, it's his job. It's his, it's his, okay. it's his experience and it's his life. And everyone, everyone wants to, like, like, you know, I've, I've, I've table next to like kind of people who literally just sell six page kind of hand-drawn zines about, about their, you know, sexual identity or their, their kind of um, childhoods or, or things, you know, all these things like that. And yeah, they, they they don't, you know, they don't sell thousands of copies, but that's not what it's for. You know, yeah, they're, they're sharing something about themselves. Exactly. They're doing that because it's something that they feel the need to make. I mean, like, I think that you and me are probably in the same boat in terms of the comics that we make. We we do it because we want to make those comics yeah. because we want to make something that's going to be necessarily commercially viable. And obviously, there's a, there's a kind of sense of I don't want to make something that no one's going to like. But I wouldn't make the comics. I don't, I don't make any comics just because I think they're going to appeal to a particular audience or a particular market. I'm trying to sell things, making them because I, I enjoy the process of making them. And I think they're the stories that I want to tell myself rather than just mm. trying to latch on to anything. So. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think there's there's an element of, like you said, you don't want to put something out there that, that you're just going to work for a year on a project and then only sell like no co- sell no copies of it. I mean that's that's what happened with the first um, first comic convention. I didn't sell anything. I sold more copies of my book outside the convention than inside. Like on the after the first night, I was sitting in the pub in in Leeds and I hadn't sold a single copy on the day. And some uh, a couple walked up to me and they're like, "Oh, are you from are you from the comic convention?" And I was like yeah 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 and they went oh yeah what, what are you selling and they bought like a copy of my book from me in the pub and then on the on the train i'm going to be anecdotal here but people have got the point yeah uh, on the train back uh i got the train back to london yeah i didn't feel great but i, I was still happy i'd went i still had a pretty good time but i didn't feel great about i was still in the mindset of you know if you build it they will come and yeah. that's not always true you have to kind of learn to. Not always true yeah. immediately. It takes a while. Yeah, you kind of you kind of have to learn to kind of. Um, yeah, you don't have to. You don't even have to do comic conventions if you don't want it. You can just do comics and sell them to your mates. Who cares? But not even sell them. Give them away. Just draw on the walls. It's <laughs> fine. Not now, obviously, because people are quite tense. But um, but yeah, I'm sitting. I'm I'm on the three five five bus <laughs> going to going to Mitchum where I lived at the time. And it's like one o'clock in the morning because obviously the train got in from the Leeds like madly late. And I'm sitting there with this massive box of unsold comics, like and all my luggage around me looking like some sort of crazy, like some sort of crazy person who's just been kicked out of their shop. And there was this guy sitting, um, sitting opposite me on, on the seat. And he was like, can I have a look? And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, here you are. And he was like, this is amazing. He, he was like, he was like really, really happy and cheerful. And I think it's those little things like that that gave me a little bit of a like okay i'm a commercial failure but <laughs> at least there is some there is some merit in what i'm doing because you know. your first comic at your first convention then i don't think you should ever expect to sell no anything hundreds and hundreds of copies <laughs> it's such the comics it's a it's a slow burner and it's yeah. a, it takes a long time to get it's, it's, it's a marathon not a sprint basically in terms of making them yeah. and being successful at it yeah I, f- I think like i've also come to terms with the fact that because of the the reason I'm doing comics is because I just want to. It's it's kind of there's kind of a yeah there's a sense of arrogance to doing creative things. Yeah, you know, I feel I feel sometimes like guilty, <laughs> not guilty, but like wow, do people really care about this? But then you think, well, it doesn't matter. Like if 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 you just do something just for yourself, it's valid. Yeah, you know? yeah, of course. Just, yeah, like yeah, I did when I was a when I was a little kid, and I. This sounds like I'm just trying to make myself feel better, <laughs> but Golf Guild did really well. Okay. Um, but when I was like a little kid and I was just doing drawings and stuff and drawing Pokemon and stuff, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't doing it for anyone but myself. And there's, there's, there's still an element of that, I think. And, and I think for a lot of people, that's true. Yeah. There's still an element of just, I'm going to make this thing because it's cool. People write epic fan fictions that 20 chapters of fan fiction about Star Trek or whatever. That's never going to get sold because it's not, it's not commercial, but they still create it. Why do they create it? Because they want to tell a story. They want to have a, they want to have fun. They want to just do something. And, I think identifying the reason why you want to do what you do helps you keep doing it. Definitely. Very good. And, yeah. And that's why I do two comics. <laughs> <laughs> full circle. Yeah, yeah. It's come back around. 
So, so if people want to buy your work or if they want to find you on the internet or follow you on social media, where do yeah. you see? I do have a stack of golf girl comics in my in my living room cupboard. So if anyone wants to the come and get thing. one, yeah, yeah. I, I I'm I'm a bit of a luddite when it comes to everything, um, new media like internet and stuff. Like I, I I abstained from Twitter for the longest time, and I I, I didn't really join Instagram until it was too late. Um, but I'm on I'm on Twitter and Instagram uh, as Brotacon which is like Otacon from Metal Gear Solid, but with the word bro in front of it. And that is the entirety of the joke. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't post super often. I, I don't like, I don't, I mean, despite what the last hour has proven, um, I actually don't like waffling <laughs> <laughs> on social media. I, I can do it in person until, until people are sick to the face of it. But I don't, I don't like sort of, I don't like putting myself out there that frequently. But yeah, I'm on Twitter uh, and I post every time I do a new comic uh, or whatever, or I'm doing something, I do at least do the due diligence and post that. And uh, I'm also, I mean, I'm also working on a, on an illustrated book as a sort of fun project, which I'm not sure how I'm going to deploy, but it might be, might be a sort of online thing rather than a printed thing. Uh, so I'm doing a lot of fun out for that sort of science fiction stuff. It's another outlet. Basically, uh, about four years ago, I started sincerely watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And one. it's really good, yeah. Um, so it gave me a lot of inspiration to try my hand at doing some science fiction. But obviously I made it weird and uncomfortable uh, because that's just who I am. Uh, so I'm posting a lot of art from that at the moment. Um, but I'm going to, once Golf Girls got a few more pages, I'm going to start posting that. Um, probably going to lead online with that now, actually, because of obviously the incident so probably going to start posting that on webtoons which i have a whole other rant about online comic platforms and i think they do a massive disservice to artists by limiting the uh, resolution to like 900 pixels but hey ho um for a different different episode yeah this is chris's rant about webtoons <laughs> uh, in the future we can just talk all, yeah. all about the things you're angry about in the comics industry right now. <laughs> i'm not actually i'm just, I hate it. i'm not an angry person unless you unless it's about Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, which gets Man, furious. Um, so yeah, I'm probably going to start posting Golf Girl online uh, very shortly because I've got about four pages finished. Uh, fifth one's being drawn right now and then a sixth one should hopefully follow as is the order. Of pres- that's numbers <laughs> for you. Yeah. That's, that's how numbers work. <laughs> um, so I'll probably start putting that up on, on, on the webtoons once a week maybe. Cool. Okay, uh, nice one, Chris. Thank you so much. Thanks to Chris for talking to me. If you want to find out more about Whip, then do head over to meetup.com slash whipcomics, which has all the information that you need on our upcoming meetups. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at whip underscore comics, and you can follow me at joe underscore stone on Twitter at just Joe Stone, or one word, on Instagram. Thanks for listening.